Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. You're listening to episode number 36 with Lindsay of Lindsay Shea Consulting. We're getting you legally legit today from contracts to terms and conditions to trademarks, filing for copyrights, all that yummy, yummy legal stuff that nobody really wants to get into, but are so, so, so necessary as a creative entrepreneur in business. Let's get to today's episode. Kiss my aesthetic, branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I am your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build bragworthy brands for social media minded entrepreneurs. And you are in the right spot for branding, marketing, entrepreneurship advice that you can apply in your own business to better reach your ideal client online. Let's get to today's episode. Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast, the third attempt at trying to get this to work correctly. Luckily, I am here with Lindsay Shea, and she's being so kind and gracious with us today and giving us our advice for getting your business legally legit, something that all entrepreneurs need to have a good understanding of to make sure that they are not only profitable, but they've got all their ducks in a row and they're protecting themselves. So Lindsay, for anyone who doesn't know you yet, can you explain who you are and what you do? Yes. Uh, my name is Lindsay Levine. I am an attorney. I spent 10 years in corporate America working for Comcast and Miami Heat. Um, I did in-house counsel work as well as chief compliance work. And when I first started my business, I started as a compliance expert going in, helping companies with the risk. Um, and now I've pivoted completely and doing something that I truly love. And it's helping female entrepreneurs with the just getting their their legal basics like in a row, their legal ducks in a row, so to speak. Um, so we we focus on trademarks, business formations, and contracts, and you know help them make legal things a little simpler, a little easier, less confusing, and more affordable. Oh my gosh. And I'm so grateful that people like you exist. And I have to be so grateful that people like my CPA exist because this is something that doesn't come naturally to a lot of people. Obviously, you went to school for it for a very long time and got loads of experience. Uh, But for the sake of this podcast episode, we're going to try to tackle things as chronological as possible, kind of from the perspective of someone who is a new business owner or maybe in their first few months or years, and they're kind of starting to ramp up from a side hustle to more of a career opportunity and building building their business. So when you have someone who's in that position, which it sounds like a lot of your clients are, what are some of the first things that you help to tackle? There's there's a couple. So basically, first one these days has been um, obviously making sure contracts are like ducks in a row. Contracts, you have solid contracts. That's not just like, you know, obviously anybody you do business with, you should have a contract for. So that's number one. Then making sure your website contracts are up to date. So privacy policy, federal law, that, like if you collect any information on your website, it is federal law that you have a privacy policy on your website and then terms and conditions. So while that's not required, people who are selling stuff online, people who are giving advice online, like blogs, anything that you could buy, if you could buy anything online, you need to have terms and conditions because not only does it, you know, give the agreement between you and the visitor or the customer. But if you're providing like advice or, you know, blogs, you want to have disclaimers as well. Something goes wrong because they followed your advice. You don't want them coming after you. So that's one part. Lately, um, also, you know, 
making sure that if you have a spec like a name that you're using, this has been like a huge like hot button topic because I've had to have a lot of hard all it's like the worst conversation to have. Hey, you've already put in a lot of money and time into this brand. Unfortunately, it's already been trademarked. So <laughs> making sure that that trademark is available for your use. And that is also not just like the names available, but I always like to tell my clients, like when we do a comprehensive search, that doesn't just mean like we do like a quick search online. Like I get 500 pages of data usually that I analyze with these searches. So that's why it's called comprehensive for a reason. And not only does it tell you, hey, like maybe let's say you wanted, you know, you're doing marketing. We I'm like, great, let's put you in the marketing. No one's using that name. But let's say like you have this goal in the next like year, two years to start online education and courses and all that. But all, you know what? You look and they're like, somebody already has that name in that category because that's how it works. There's So you then either have to make a decision, I'm going to call that name something different or I'm going, you know, change the name completely. So that's why it's really important to get that done from the get-go. I promise you it will save you tons of time and money. And then also, you know, eventually getting that registered, very important as well. But also, you know, sometimes money is an issue. So I know you have to kind of scatter it, but definitely getting that search first. And then finally, making sure you have an LLC. Um, those LLCs, they protect your personal assets. I mean, you don't, like you have worked and you're putting money away, you're buying things, you don't want that being touched. So by having an LLC, keeping a separate bank account, you're going to protect yourself from somebody being able to access that personal stuff that you've collected. Absolutely. And some businesses are going to be more high risk than others with brand design. For sure. My business as compared to my sister's business, who's a wedding planner, as compared to my parents' business, who's interior design and remodel, where they're knocking down people's walls and installing new ovens. And there's all kinds of insurances and protections that are going to range from industry to industry. But I think what you're saying here, too, is making sure that you're classified correctly will help separate you from your business. That's really the goal. It's like, this is the business and this is me personal. And basically what you're doing in these entity formations is telling the government or whoever else or your clients like what your relationship is to the business. Is that correct? Yeah. You're basically, you know, it provides you with a shield, like an LLC provides you with a shield. So, you know, if something were to go wrong, that, you know, they, they can come after you personally. When you don't have an LLC, you are your business, right? But when you do have a business like an LLC and you, you start doing your contracts with the LLC, it's not under your name. So everything is under, they can only come after that business. So yes, in fact, you are separating yourself from your business. And then beyond LLC, there are a few other entities that you can be from either the legal side or the tax side. Obviously, your specialty is the legal side. Uh, so can you give a rundown of when somebody might outgrow an LLC classification and should be moving more towards something else? Or is that truly a tax benefit thing? No. So, well, there's C-Corp and then there's like S-Corp. C-Corp, I mean, you have to, it's going to be like what you see your company growing as. Do you see this like business as a lot of shareholders in your business? Um, you want to start giving out stocks? Like it's going to depend on a lot of that. Like if you're just like, hey, I'm just going to like do this like me keep it simple, keep it LLC. But once you start having like members and shareholders, then you're going to want to get a C-Corp. Now, 
S Corp, which gets confusing because you're like, well, isn't that the thing? Is it like an entity thing? It's not. It's a tax. It's a tax um, a classification. So basically, you can be a C Corp with an S Corp status. You can be an LLC with an S Corp status. Obviously, like we talked about, I'm not an expert in that, but it does save you money. But you have to have like hit certain thresholds for it really to make sense. Right. And that's where you would then jump to the CPA sides of things and, and get advice on that front. Um, yep. Let's loop back to the contracts issue. Most people, when they're starting out, it's a side hustle or they just don't have that formalized or they find that paying a lawyer feels really expensive. And so they turn to Facebook groups or they turn to Instagram stories and they say, what should I put in my contract? I don't know. Can I see yours? Can I copy yours? And I always say you need to work with a lawyer in your area because those things are going to change. Um, but why is it like maybe not the best idea to use something that you found online or like Frankenstein your contracts? Because you don't know what you're adding in. You don't know what you're taking out. You don't know where your Facebook friend got this from. <laughs> and like, and you don't know how much they changed either. So you're not even starting out with like a hundred percent complete picture of what you got. You've just like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And unless you really know how to decipher, you're not going to, you don't know what you don't know. So you can be like, this is, this looks great, but I could potentially look at it and be like, oh yeah, you're missing this, this, and this, and you wouldn't even realize it. So yes, it's important to do it. I mean, obviously, you know, templates are a cheaper way to go because it's not customized to you, but then there's like, you know, there are good templates that are just made just for the, the services that you're providing. So it gives you the flexibility to save some money, but also know like at this point, I'm going to be protected at least until, you know, I can have like a whole customized contract for myself. Absolutely. And I think the other things to think of when you're considering the contract, the way that it was explained to me and the way that I learned it was that you first and foremost want to cover the scope of work, the deliverables, the compensation, and the ownership. We talked about a lot of other aspects that you can add to your contract also, but I think one that designers or creatives often forget is documentation and like photo and video or video recording, recording of meetings, like telling people they're being recorded. That can be, can sometimes be a sticky issue. And I know that's something that that's been added to my contract more recently. And then also like the licensing, like who actually owns the intellectual property of the logo concept, for example. Can you, specific to brand design, give your like quick thoughts on, on those issues? When you have a contract, obviously you're going to like state out all those things, but yeah. So usually what happens is the brand designer like is going to own the work that they've created unless you've worked out a different arrangement that the other person is going to, you know, the, your client's going to own it at the end, but then you give them a license to use that work. Now, the thing is, is with the license, you have to also make sure like they're not going to start selling that work as their own. So you have to be very specific as to what you can license them with. So that's why it's like, again, like being as specific as possible with your contract is so important because there's no room for like miscommunication. So you have that, or let's say on the flip side, hey, you're making them like you're going to sign over all the rights because now you're trademarking and all that stuff. Great, no problem. But then you want to be able like to show off that work. So you're still going to, they're almost going to license you the ability to market that stuff in your professional work environment and whatnot. I think about this a lot with photography and with social media. If someone, for example, posts your image without your consent to do so, 
or they are using it to further their account and grow their following by reposting you, what as the creator inherently belongs to you and can you ask them to take it down and do those kinds of like royalty situation? Because I know people get really confused on this. Yeah. So especially with photographers, I mean, yeah, if they don't, <laughs> you have to be kind of like your you're your biggest advocate. Yeah, exactly. Your biggest advocate because you have to start searching to make sure. Like I had a friend that this happened to and she was like, um, you guys are using all my photos in your whole website. Mm -hmm. And so she like wrote them in a letter and they took them down or she's like, I'm happy to like license them to you, but you can't just take them. So again, making sure, you know, you have to do that copywriter, copyright notices, putting that on your websites because you know, just making sure that like, this is yours. I've heard also like some people just don't put high resolution photos up on like their, their stuff. So, I mean, I don't know if that really does anything. It's tough. Um, I will say this. Um, I know we brought up social media and social media releases. Uh, this is a huge thing, especially not like if you, and it maybe it doesn't come with you, but let's say you're a product or you're taking pictures of somebody using your product. And also this is like another thing, like, you know, with contracts, like people start off like, oh, they're my friend, nothing's gonna happen. Oh, you know what, they're not gonna do anything to me. I'm gonna just use their picture. Like they love my product, nothing's gonna happen. And so they use it, they get in a fight, who knows what happens, but mm -hmm. realistically, you cannot use someone's image, someone's likeness, um, name without their express permission in a commercial setting. So if you're using it to promote your business, it's not allowed. You can like get fined. And then if they were to take you to court, like in extreme circumstances, they would have to like, sh you would have to show like their business, their picture really didn't bring you any business. But it's just like, why do all that? What, when oh, you get one pager, I mean, one pager agreement, have them sign it and it's done. Yeah, I think that's really important. I think we're also seeing that a lot with music as more people do reels and TikToks and IGTVs. And there's a reason why people are saying, oh, I'm going to classify myself as a creator account, not a business account, so I can have access to popular music. It's like, well, you do start to blur those lines. If you're going to use a Beyonce song to sell your headbands, then like, then legally, like, shouldn't Beyonce be making money from those? <laughs> and like a perfect example, I got asked this question recently, actually, you know how like they do like those memes with like TV shows, and then they can put their own like spin on there. So someone's like, can I do that? I'm like, no, not really. Like you can't. And so they're like, well, I saw this person. I'm like, listen, not necessarily like they're all going to come after you. They like people have bigger fish to fry. But I guarantee you, if a big company was like, let's say using thing like Coke was using something with friends without their permission, like the friend show, they're going to come after them. You know, like, yeah, maybe you're not going to get caught today or tomorrow or next week, but still doesn't mean you can do it legally. <laughs> It's also just not good big business practice. And no. like naivete is not a good argument either. Like I didn't know is not a good argument. I got into, and you can actually still watch it on my Instagram highlights. There was a girl who I was in her Facebook group and she shared how she was making money with her own affiliate links using images that she found on other people's blogs. So she was going on her Pinterest, pinning another blogger's picture of knee-high boots but changing the link to be her own affiliate link to then earn commission on if somebody shopped through that Pinterest image. The kicker was she was teaching people how to do this on her Instagram and was showing how she was making thousands of dollars a month inside revenue by doing this, by taking images that she found online or in Instagram and just pinning them to Pinterest with her own affiliate links. So I messaged her and I was like, hey girl, I'm not a lawyer, but I don't think you can do this. <laughs> 
And we, it got really catty and really awkward. And I said, I'm just looking out, but I'm pretty sure in the Pinterest terms and conditions, you can't just use any image for whatever you want. Just because you found it on the internet does not make it yours. And I did, I, I dug up the Pinterest terms and conditions and it says by default, the intellectual property inherently belongs to the uploader so long as it's their original work. If you're uploading somebody else's work, it doesn't belong to you. But we recognize the original content creator as the owner of that work implicitly. Um, And basically, they said you cannot use things that you found on Pinterest to monetize. But people do it all the time. People post on Instagram, photo credit Pinterest. Yeah, but it doesn't make it right. So, you know, and it's like, and then that's where this blurred line is. It's like, well, this person did it. This person did it. Why can't I do it? Well, you know, like... And then it's interesting, too, because I think a lot of designers want to post things as inspiration, right? So in the Kiss My Portfolio Challenge, which I hosted two weeks ago now, um, I talked about how for mood boards, we want to use royalty-free stock photography so that you can use that mood board in your marketing because you don't want to be sharing work, again, and profiting off of work that doesn't belong to you. That's like not morally or ethically okay, but it's also not legally okay. Exactly. Agreed. Agreed on all the things. (laughs) Agreed, agreed. And there's also that fine line between taking inspiration from something and straight up copying. Well, yeah, because there is like this ability to use something that because it sparks ideas and like it's the doctrine of fair use. But you can't just like you can't just copy something and create keep it as your own. I mean, that's yeah. All that kind of like fun, sticky legal stuff. There are some businesses, and I know I talked about this a second ago. My sister is a wedding planner. My parents are interior designers. Me as a brand designer, what I do is pretty low risk. No one's going to die because of their logo design. But for other industries, not to say that people will die, but there are much heavier disclaimers. We're talking health and wellness. We're talking product, cosmetics, even fashion stuff, like anything relating to cars or machinery. Like you want to make sure that you have your risks protected. The Kiss My Aesthetic podcast runs on coffee. This is our lifeblood and our jet fuel to keep on creating amazing content for you guys on branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship. And if you feel so inclined, you can take a quick break from this episode. Head on over to buymeacoffee.com slash mkwcreativeco and throw a few dollars our way, kind of like a virtual tip jar, so we can keep creating these awesome podcasts for you and for this incredible community. Now back to today's episode. So what kind of insurances, precautions, or other um, high-risky tricky stuff would you want to bring up if the client came to you and they said, Hey, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to get sued. Well, when you're looking at the agreement, so you're going to look at every agreement that that person has, whether it's, okay, this is what I'm giving to clients. This is what I have, whether it's with the manufacturer of your product. This is what I have with like an event, you know, other event coordinators are going to help me with my work. This is what I have with the venue. So you look at all that stuff and then it becomes like a cumulative type of things. Like, okay, well, here, let's say, you know, it's called an indemnity clause. You hire a manufacturer to create a product. They should indemnify you, which means like if something were to go wrong, even though your name is on the product, let's say, so chances are, you know, your name's on the product, people are going to come after you, but you need to be like, all right, well, hey, bud, you're the one making the product. I'm coming after you in return. And you're going to have to accept that because you're creating the product. So it's like stuff like that, making sure, you know, your what liability you have. Like if you are a health and wellness coach, making sure you have disclaimers that like, hey, I'm doing this like, you know, on my own free will. 
I haven't been told by a doctor I shouldn't do any of this stuff. If something happens, that's on you. All that stuff like adds up. Um, there's so many different insurances that you could potentially have, like retreat, you know, event insurance, you know, for treats, for weddings, stuff like that. Obviously, general liability insurance, you know, errors and emissions insurance, which is a huge one, especially if you know you're coaching. Um, even like any type of service business, you tell them something you want, you errors and emissions. It kind of you know, if you make a mistake, basically, it helps you out with that. But um, yeah, again, that, and that's like, you know, we talk about you want a great CPA, you want a great lawyer. Another person that you want on your side is a great insurance guy or girl. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I think that those are the ones, again, where it's like people get intimidated by legal because they go, oh, it's going to be expensive to do it that way. Like, I don't know. What would you say to the person that's like, doesn't really feel like they're ready to quote unquote, invest in making their business legally sound? Here's the thing. If you're not willing to invest in making your business legally sound, then you're probably not ready to make a business at all at this point. Because, and as it, maybe that's harsh, I, I don't know. But the thing is, is like, you can either do it now for a minimal fee, but down the road, you keep waiting, you keep waiting. That's just like more risk that builds up and builds up and builds up. And you don't know what's going to happen. Eventually, something will happen. So you spend the fees now, whether that's to protect you from your contracts, make sure that they're like legit, everything's laid out properly, or you know, you make sure that your trademark is not taken and you don't have to work. So then down the road, I promise you, it's going to cost you so much more money, like like crazy amounts more, and maybe even like cost you your brand too and your reputation as well. I think we really see this come into play also with like compensation and payment terms and conditions and things like late invoices or clients, client projects that go sideways. That's when it's so, 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 so important to have had that signed contract um, scope of work and agreement beforehand. This has happened to me where I did a client's branding. They were really non-responsive. We ended up kind of saying, you know what, I don't think we're a good fit with each other. I handed over the files. We called it a wash at their deposit. And then eight months later, they disputed their entire project on their credit card. And that's like, it's a huge thing. So to your point, like making sure that's why also it's another reason for you not to be just like asking for people's templates and putting it because here's the thing, like perfect example, like I just did a graphic designer agreement, which, you know, covers like website and stuff. But in that contract, I have made sure that like, if the project is delayed because of that person, doesn't prohibit you from getting paid one. And two, if they're delayed more than like, you know, whatever they want to put two months, three months, they have to do a whole reconsultation fee because things change. And so, you know, these are all really important things to have. Also, you know, to your point, like having saying like, hey, we're going to terminate, making sure those that's really outlined clearly as to like who owns the work at termination, who and who has to pay for what. And it was such a like hard lesson to learn for me because this was probably two or three years ago now, because it's now a thing of like, okay, well, is my business going to offer credit card processing or are we only going to do bank transfer? Like what are going to be some of the protections for myself is like, yeah, it's really convenient to accept payments on credit card. But if there's a risk that someone could dispute it, and even when I went down the whole rebuttal, like thing. It took, it took four months for Stripe to even consider my case. And even though I had screenshots of every email, every correspondence, everything with this client, they ruled in favor of the client and they said, sorry, case closed basically. So annoying. And if I wanted to pursue it and take it to small claims, I definitely could have, but then it was one of those things where it's like, all right, expensive lesson to learn. How am I going to adjust? 
Yeah. And that's unfortunately like the legal system is not something you want to have to use because one, it's so time consuming and two, it's expensive. If you, especially if you're not using, you don't, you're past that small claims number. So sometimes it just costs you more to go through all that than it does the, what it would actually get paid. So it's not a perfect system, but, and none of it, listen, Everything you do tries to make you a little bit less risky, but nothing's risk-free in life. Like you're never going to, like someone's still going to potentially sue you on a contract or not pay you on a contract, even if it's like laid out. But are you, you know, you have to, that's where you as a business owner have to decide, is this risk worth it? And, you know, and you have to do everything you can to avoid your risk as much as you can, but nothing's risk-free in this world. And I think too, the more that you spend time around business owners that have been around for a long time, like watching my parents with their company for the last 20 years, you can have the most comprehensive buttoned up, dialed in contract. There's still shitty clients that do shitty shit. shit, Shit happens a lot. And shit happens a lot. And there's so many things that you can't even sometimes anticipate would happen until you're in it. And the best thing to do is like have that great A team of your your lawyer, your CPA, your whoever else is on your internal team and rooting for you, like to really understand those implications and avoid it the next time around. No, for sure. It's like you said, you can't predict. I mean, you crazy shit happens and there's no yeah. way in your mind that you can ever predict it. I guarantee you, you're going to like try to avoid it next time around. But sometimes like you don't even think that's in, even in your realm, like your radar. But it happens. Yeah. Uh, one thing that wasn't on my radar that I actually called you about not too long ago was I was searching my own Facebook group and podcast name on Google and found that on Amazon, somebody lifted my logo and started selling t-shirts with my logo on it on Amazon. And so I reported it to Amazon immediately and said, uh, hello. And it was some company in China with some like super, super long username with a bajillion letters and numbers. And this was the only product in their shop. They had literally lifted the exact word mark either from my website or from Pinterest or something, knowing that I had a podcast and started selling things with my artwork. What's the legal course of action on something like that? Cease and desist. I mean, so obviously you're going to send a cease and desist, tell them not to use it. And then you get into like more, you have to, you know, hire an actual like attorney to start filing things and you're going to file a claim. It's not something you want to have to do by any means. And I guarantee you, it's not something you don't want to get a cease and desist either. So it's like twofold. You don't want to have to write one and they, you know, you don't want to have to get one either, but that's why we have our, that's why we have lawyers. (laughs) This is what you guys get to do for for work. (laughs) Just your average, you know, Tuesday afternoon, going to write some cease and desist. Uh, What's your favorite thing to work on in your business? And what's something you wish you were better at? Oh God. A favorite thing to work on. Um, I honestly love talking to clients. I love, I love being like able to kind of educate people and making this a little more approachable. Um, I've been doing this for so long that I, I can talk about it in a fairly like layman's term type of way. And I love it. And I love kind of, I mean, I think law school teaches you just like a different way to think. So you think about all the scenarios in like one shot. And, and so then I'm able to use that skill to like map out what next steps should be for my client because it's not necessarily going to be the same for everyone especially if money is a factor like in a perfect world you know everyone right off the bat would get an LLC get contracts get website stuff and get their trademark done that that's a perfect world we don't live in a perfect world and money doesn't grow on trees so 
being able to map that stuff out and just like really, I really enjoy talking to my clients for sure. Yeah, I think that that's uh, having someone also, and this is how I feel about my CPA as well. It's like she can break things down for me and I can ask questions that to me, I feel like sounds stupid, but to her, she sits down, she has the patience. She says, let me help to describe this to you so that you're not in the dark. And when there's things that are confusing, she's like, yeah, it's confusing. This is my full-time job and it's still confusing. Like trademark stuff is still confusing to me because there's no black and white. Right. It's still, it's a lot of gray. So yeah, it's confusing. Absolutely. But it's, it makes so much sense to kind of cover your bases the best that you can. And every instance that something goes sideways, like take it as a learning opportunity to then do something different the next time. Um, Wonderful. Well, where can everyone connect with you, get more information from you? I know you have a special offer for everybody listening to the podcast, which they'll be very grateful for. Yes. Um, You can reach out to me, Lindsay Shea Consulting. That's my Instagram. LindsaySheaConsulting.com is my website. And then if you go for the next week, I'm going to offer 10% off all templates, all services, even risk assessments, um, which is a great tool if you ha- already have contracts to get them reviewed very cheaply. And that code is going to be Kiss My Ten. Perfect! Yay! I know people are going to be so grateful for this because it's such a, it's such an. I think for creatives too, it's like kind of the first thing that you don't want to have to deal with. <laughs> it's like I want to make my website beautiful and make my social media graphics and do all that, and and it's so 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 necessary. No, it's funny. Like even with corporate America, I mean, I was a compliance officer. I was an attorney. Like I was the Debbie Downer. (laughs) Like I know this, like no one wants to come to me. Like you don't want, it's like the last thing people want to do. Like no one's excited about going legal. So if I can just offer like a little bit of like education and break it down just to make it a little easier for people, then that's what I, I, I love doing it. Great. Well, we're so grateful to have you on the podcast. Everyone, please reach out to Lindsay and yeah, connect with her on Instagram and website and all the places. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I really, I loved it. Great. Thanks so much. And um, as always, guys, don't forget to come on over to the Facebook group, Kiss My Aesthetic as well. Lindsay is in there as Lindsay Shea Consulting. So you can connect with her there too. And we'll catch you on the pod next time. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts or really anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to come on over to the Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group, same name as the podcast. And lastly, if you're looking for those resources, links, or anything else we talked about on today's episode, you can find those on my website, mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. Catch you next time.